0: so in that sense i think the relationship has actually always been of a lot of comfort with this in-betweenness uh, rather the discomfort has always been of of these categories to fit in
1: welcome to in-between while i was doing my research on individuals in between social worlds in delhi People kept suggesting to me that I should also include individuals identifying as queer. I have a couple of queer friends, and I also met some new queer people this year, about whom I kept thinking that their lives as well do have something to do with the in between I'm interested in. On the one hand, I was very intrigued to talk to a couple of people identifying as queer or gender non binary and see if it fits, if like their in between fits the in between. Uh, the way I've come to understand it from my research. On the other hand, I kept thinking that by including queer people, I would open Pandora's box, so to say. But I kept playing with the thought of including queer people. Because after all, it seemed to me that a lot of my queer friends seemed to be battling the same not-fitting tags like other people who already were part of my research. The same feeling in between these two fixed gender categories, male and female, in some way belonging to both and none of them. The same facing a world that can only think in big tags and categories, and in which there is little space for a more nuanced understanding of an individual that does not fit into either of the known categories. Moreover, I noticed that a lot of my queer friends and acquaintances grew up in very traditional families, sometimes rural areas with a very strong set of values. People that I encounter today to be living lives that are very far away from that background, very different in a different world, so to speak. At the same time, I was wondering if what I observed here really is the same coexistence of several worlds in one individual, the way I see it in my other research participants. And also a friend of mine pointed out that, that maybe including queer people into my research, wouldn't that seem like I just do it because it's on vogue right now to also talk about queer people? Honestly, I don't know, but I decided to explore a little bit this connection between the in-between and queerness through my podcast. Therefore, I talked to different people and had the pleasure to interview a queer friend of mine that I met when I studied in Delhi a few years ago. His name is Kaushal. Kaushal taught me a lot about saris, where to get clothes made in Delhi and where to buy good fabric. I came to know about new food through his cooking and was always warmly received in his house. I was always intrigued by his outfits and fascinated by his stories, his life choices and the way he navigates his social and love relationships. When I asked him for a conversation for this podcast, he answered sure and therefore we met at his home. First, I want to ask you the one question that I ask everyone who comes to my podcast. Who are you and how do you relate to the in-between?
0: So, I am Kaushal and I think for me, like how I have been living my life as a student outside the family, living in Delhi, family living in a rural town in Haryana, plus me being there in academia and doing some active politics. All of this, in that sense, I think the relationship has actually always been of a lot of comfort with this in-betweenness. Uh, rather, the discomfort has always been of of these categories to fit in. Actually, whatever the... Space in which I am living right now, which is say, Delhi, and also being an MPhil student here, like living on scholarship. This has never actually been the aspiration as such while I was living in the the world which, which has in certain ways left behind. It was a rural uh, part of, of a town, of a very urbanized town, very cosmopolitan town on that matter, Gurgaon. I grew up there for 22 years of my life. I was used to go to a public school in, in some sector in an urban area, but always used to return to the rural.
1: Could you describe a little bit this world in which you grew up, which seems to be very different from the world in which I see you today here in Delhi?
0: So, in, in all this uh, family living in a rural town in Haryana, as such that space I can demarcate as a space to which I can now oppose the current situation and say that how what what comes in between these two is actually what, what comes in between anything uh, for that matter is a university which, which actually comes in between. So the process which has actually begun of... Various formations, rearrangements of wider set of relationships. One thing was actually given in those particular circles that the person sitting next to you is coming out as a totally different individual, like leaving no such space for a universality but only the flux. And all this thing for me was was part of that navigation which I which i began at university meeting different people like that was actually the first time i met so many different kinds of people and kinds not just on the in terms of gender in terms of various racial markers and and regional markers but that is precisely what queerness has brought into at least in my life that that this this flux is actually a very beautiful state of being
1: like you, I met many people who described their study times in a university away from their families in the anonymity of, the, of a big city as a time of exploration. The university has a space to reinvent themselves and try different things and just explore. And in a similar way, for a lot of the queer people I talked to, they told me about the experience of coming to a university and learning new vocabulary, so to speak. Words like queer or gay, the difference of sex and gender and so on to describe the things that they were feeling or experiencing for which there used to be no words before that. What kind of a role did learning new vocabulary or English for that matter play in your life?
0: So there are a lot of words which, which I remember I learned after coming to university. Actually, these are words which are there in the popular culture a lot but I had no clue of this because I also learned what popular culture means after coming to JNU because I think the general understanding of the world in that uh, village was, was that the world actually ends here in university actually is a um, social sciences particularly really comes as a slap on your face first initial classes when you learn and then i remember that various kinds of politics we were part of like we learned about feminism so i used to find out copies of the translated works of these people feminist writers in hindi and i used to take gift it to my mother and she used to sometimes read them and she used to be like, I know all of this. Why are you giving me all this? So that used to really scare me off because as such when someone is part of those areas, those spaces, I think the the completeness is actually, is making you so busy that uh, that it actually doesn't allow you to learn any new vocabulary. And I know that how how much lesser is the vocabulary on which these people are sustaining themselves as if words they don't the connections have grown so much that they don't need words anymore to, to ask for things so that is sort of a uh, a race which is going on from the place where i come from at least how i look at it uh, is is there's a race to unlearn unlearn a lot of things Uh, What happened here, entirely uh, opposite, was that I had to learn a lot of new words. Like I had to actually grasp an entirely new language. And once I started reading English and trying to understand things in English, then I had a shift where I started thinking in English. Earlier I used to think in Hindi, translate it very consciously and then used to speak it out. Now I have to do the translation other way round when I have to make some conversations with my family. So in in all these shifts of, of language particularly, I think that also gave me this image of the flux, this image of a very of a zone which is not stable at all, which is which is not either or, which is which is in between. All of this and and it it had to because I feel language is a tool is a is a basic tool through which we communicate what we are and that was changing with learning more and more English so I do remember it uh, there were stages all kind of things which I did I used to identify as gay then I used to identify as whatever genderqueer non-binary blah blah. And now I actually, I maybe probably identify as a blah blah thingy because I, I actually do not get, or I don't, I'm unable to give the world gender they want me to give them. So yeah, so I think language has played an important part, not just in informing the queerness, but also informing the, the thought about queerness that okay something like that of a phenomena is happening at some major level
1: I remember an interesting conversation I had about this topic with an acquaintance of mine that identifies as queer that person told me how they worked in a different part of India communicating day in day out in a different language not their maternal language but a language that knows no gender And then coming back to Delhi and having to speak in Hindi again, a language that requires you to use either the female or the male form of a verb in basically every sentence. You have to pick a gender and show the world in which category you belong in every sentence you speak. This is when I realized for the first time that language can also be very suffocating, especially when you feel in between categories that are so clear for most people around you. The same person told me how they used to observe the people around them and how comfortable everyone seemed to be in their lives and their gender-associated clothes, like skirts and suits and saris for the girls and pants and kurtas for the boys, and how comfortable everyone around them seemed just seemed just going about planning their lives, their marriages, while that acquaintance of mine just somehow was not. That person felt a certain discomfort with the clothes associated to their biological gender and couldn't see a life for themselves that would fit the common patterns around them. It was again at the university where they found vocabulary to express what they were feeling and certain explanations and where they were meeting other people striving for different lives, lives that felt comfortable to them.
0: This flux actually informs a lot of lot of everyday things like your comfort, care, things like, okay, the moment I came out and I found out that you can wear sadis too, you can wear a different kinds of clothings and now I wear like a lot of western dresses. I have actually been looking at myself in a more and more comfort and the comfort is not of the, of an external gaze that I've been received well. Rather, the, it's a very comfort of my own space where I want to be on, in a dress.
1: You were talking about wearing saris and how your sense of dress changed. And for me, that is one of the most interesting things about you as a person, that you really challenge the norms of beauty. And I feel you have altered the way I see and understand beauty as well. For example, That combination of having a beard, wearing a sari and nose piercing and certain hairstyles and all of it, how did you create it? Because by now it's such a signature thing about you. I find it so amazing because uh, partly because of you, I started to look at beauty in a more non-gendered way, in a broader way. How did this style of yours come about and how did you create it?
0: Actually like this question has never been asked to be because it's a it's it's actually a signature thing in the market. But I do feel that I actually I now that you have asked it and I had to think about it, I actually never created anything. I had no clue how and what this thing of telling my friends that I have sex with men do will come out. I ha I had no clue what, what is gonna happen the next day. So it all began with with little things like how things begin. Little by little I started applying kajal one day, wearing skirts the other day. I think my friends really helped, but also I would actually say that I I, I have been like a more porous subject to the to the idea of queerness. I look at them then as a as actually like some sort of an art uh, in engaging with various colors. All of this was actually never a creation. Rather, again, like for my everyday, I actually would want (laughs) comfort to some good degrees. So then comfort was not basically shave every other day. I, (laughs) I think that's a very nonsensical thing to do, that you shave every day. Comfort was then to not wear jeans and wear more airy clothes. There were a lot of things which were informing my comfort, which was actually giving rise to the discomfort of the people around me. So it's a, it's a very uh, conundrum sort of a situation which which it was like as a journey that I was actually very comforted. Throughout all this, like whatever came when I was uh, identifying as what, what not, then again what, what not. Leading on to like just a guy walking in a sari or a dress, let's say. That can be a, a good description of what I am or I would be. Instead of me saying or coining certain terminologies because at the level of gender and sex, I think... One has to take the flux seriously.
1: One thing I'm also thinking is that during these long years at university, you keep going home periodically as well, right? So it's a back and forth of studying in Delhi and visiting home every few months again, while you were slowly transforming in your thoughts, but also in your style. Many queer people I talked to told me that for a long time, they kind of had two sets of clothes keeping some traditional clothes or clothes that fitted with their biological sex for whenever they went home. For many, that only changed after years and years. A lot of them told me how people in their villages would then make comments like we sent the boy away but a girl came back or something like this. When they finally started also dressing at home in the same way, they dressed in their lives away from family. How was it when you kept visiting home? Would you wear a sari at home too? Or was it like for other people, two separate clothes and separate ways of behaving in both worlds, so to speak?
0: Yeah, so I actually never wore a sari back home. So this is an apt question because I had to reserve certain things to this world. Yeah, that's that's where I know that that world I can really demarcate from what world I want to live in. Uh, But... But they had to come along to a much greater degree because I was going through these transformations in language and in the general sense of understanding the world as well. So they had to really come along and they have obviously failed at a certain instances. Instances earlier used to be, they can be very minor, like they wanted me to cut my hair. Why am I growing my hair so much, which then they had to come along. Because I never did cut my hair after that. Rather, I also got a nose piercing done. So even that became like a huge thing. So these things kept happening. But then after a point, I think they did realize that the deformity which they are trying to find in me, that deformity itself is growing very fast. Yeah. (laughs) So they they almost like... Uh, It got exposed to them that he's on some voyage, some exploration of finding something. But we are the one getting affected. So I think that really played a very significant role. And I know that has only happened because in, in this entire period when I was learning new language, learning it more precisely, I was going home as you pointed out. I was going to meet them quite a lot but over a period I also realized that the ki- the conversations sort of came to a halt all the conversations came to a halt in in a way that now the conversations are more more smaller conversations they have an idea that I am not gonna behave like a son anymore so they have to get this thing correct and there will be obviously a scope for for them to engage in a more individual relationship with me, rather than of a father and a son or a mother and a son.
1: How was your life before you came out, when you maybe already knew at some level that you desired the same sex?
0: Um, Before coming out, I never knew I was gay. I knew that I was just having sex with men. But I never had to think of a terminology as, so gay as a word, actually, uh, I happen to know only ma But I used to date few of my cousins, and there were certain weird kind of love stories, very traditional love stories also going on between two men in the village. So, I also had my share of that.
1: Very traditional? What does that mean a very traditional love story?
0: Uh, in which like one has to act as a as a role of a woman, one has to act as a role of a man, like this. This becoming like already you think of each other as that husband wife phenomena, and and a lot of our lovers who are not married yet. So I think all of those things I also did. Uh, there were more restrictions. Obviously, there was more fear around certain things. But then everybody finds certain strategies, so did I. Life wasn't informed with a lot of abuse before coming out, which it got after coming out. After coming out, one has to learn the politics, and in politics one has to also learn about what are these ways of abuse.
1: Some of the queer people I talked to told me how after coming out, especially after starting to cross-dress, for example, how spaces that used to be safe for them before be it spaces in the village or parts of the city, suddenly were not safe anymore. That either people in the village might not recognize them if they dressed like the, like the other gender and go there and people would be hostile, or some people who were biologically born in a male body and started to dress in a more, in more uh, feminine clothes suddenly couldn't go at night anymore to places that used to be safe for them when they used to dress as a man. I found this a very sad but also interesting phenomenon how the same space for them changed. And of course, there were many stories of psychological and physical abuse as well. Did you ever experience something like that?
0: Not really, because I never had to go back to Gurgaon in order to to represent queerness. In Delhi, I was never. In Delhi, I was a very different person. I was not son. I was a student, so I could do things. So there, I never had to. But this is very true that, and that is what I am saying. For for me, I just got to know that this abuse happens. Like for people, like if say I, for people who were born, brought up in Delhi, and were raised, and then they became queer in Delhi, they may may have a very different experience of how they engaged with Delhi as such. But I do feel that even in, in these places, even in, uh, in India, in Delhi, it actually ranges from ev- all kind of abuses then, for, for these particular people who are out there in the exploration or who are coming out as people who are exploring. And it's important to note that they are coming out as people who are exploring. We should always treat them as that. We should always treat everybody as people who are exploring.
1: Maybe as a last and very big question, most of the people that listen to my podcast are not Indian. For them, it is very difficult to imagine a life in India or a queer life probably as well. But imagining a queer life in India is very hard. Could you speak a little bit about your experience of living a queer life in India? maybe taking some examples from your own life so that it is a bit more imaginable for them?
0: So queer life in India as such, in itself it's like a huge thing to answer, but I do think that queer lives in India are not very different from what queers are living in any other part of the world. And something... Very distinctive also is not taking place here that no that that is happening nowhere else, but just by virtue of being in this particular environment of of being in Delhi, so my experiences have been very amazing actually of after because I was telling that after coming out that coming out was actually like the best part because. You came out and then you. I had to forget about it, at <laughs> what I came out as, because then actually began the journey of queerness. And with that sort of a choice, which was open to me after declaring that I'm a queer person, all those choices, I could then find what, I, what are the things I desire, what are the things I absolutely like, what are the things I dislike. Because the choice widened, because I could do now a lot of things after declaring. So being in a university, being a queer here, all of this entire setup actually provides you with with various kinds of, of responsibilities, with various kinds of imaginations, lives, aspirations, but also with various kinds of... Uh, of control, that I, that housing sometimes become an important issue. That people are not being able to get houses. But I am having (laughs) an amazing life in that particular sense of of what a queerness does to the life. Uh, I am in a polyamorous relationship, seeing two people at present. And I think love has also flourish the Lord.